This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Very good morning to you and you're welcome along to the programme. John Paul taking your calls at 1850 333 103. Text WhatsApp 0862 103 103. A lot to get to on the programme today. But before we do, just a couple of words of warning coming into us. A warning to people living in the Rathgormach area, particularly in the Shanoan estate. We're getting reports in of a number of cars that were broken into during the week and items taken. Now, the Gardaí are investigating these particular break-ins to cars in Shanoan Estate. But as we often hear, almost on a weekly basis, I think, on our Garda file, which various members of Garda Siakona across North and West Cork are always advising us, do not leave any valuables in your car, even for the shortest period of time and always make sure that you lock your car. I think if you park it outside your house or in the driveway of your house, you almost were lulled into a false sense of security like, as you're at home now, we're safe. No one will touch the car. And God knows we know that there are people out there that will touch your car and there's been of late, certainly in the last couple of years, there are gangs going around literally just checking for opened cars. They don't even want to go to the effort, thankfully, of breaking into cars, but they'll go from car to car to car. And if a car is left unlocked, which we're all guilty of doing at some stage, and whatever, there's any valuable at all inside in the car, it will be gone. So please do not leave any valuables in your car and make sure your car is locked at all times. And thank you to somebody who yesterday sent me on a copy of a text. This came in at the close of the programme yesterday. So I said I'd look into it yesterday evening to find out for sure, for sure, for sure if it was a scam. It was a text message that said, Good evening. This is Team Know How in relation to the order placed with Curry's. Your delivery will be delivered on Friday the 16th of August that will be today between 10am and 2pm our crew will call 30 minutes before delivery and for any delivery queries please call and then it gives a Dublin number and it says no reply service so you can't reply back to the text and a listener sent it on to us saying is this a scam because I haven't ordered anything from Curry's uh, shop so I did a bit of snooping around on it yesterday and I went on to Curry's their own website and they are aware of these fraudulent text messages. I just can't work out how this particular scam works because I rang, it's a Dublin number and I rang the number but all I got was an engaged tone. So I don't even know if the number actually exists or not. So, and you can't, it's a text message so they're not asking you to click on anything. So I don't know how the scam works except that Curry's are aware of fraudulent text messages and emails going out purporting to be from their, their company and obviously if you've never ordered anything. But the worry and the danger would be if you had ordered something, you know, they, they'll they randomly select telephone numbers. That's how they do it. And the chances are if they randomly select thousands, tens of thousands of mobile numbers, they're bound to hit on some who have ordered from the particular company that they're purporting to be from. But this one I'm baffled about because I don't know how it works. I don't know how this particular, I don't know how they're going to scam you out of money. If the telephone number 
is not putting you through to anyone. I was full sure that when I f- called the number yesterday that I was going to get through to somebody who was going to claim to be from Curry's and who was going to try and get credit card details from me but that didn't happen. So t- uh, thank you to the listener who sent it on. Yes you are right and well copped. It is definitely a scam. Let me know if you hear anything else particularly today because today is meant to be your delivery day of this item that you didn't order from Curry's between 10 uh, this morning and 2 this afternoon. So let me know if you hear any more from them. It'll be just, I'd be just interested to see where that particular scam ends up. 1850 I don't know if anybody else has received scam calls like that or scam texts like that one. I did get a call, by the way, I meant to mention this earlier in the week. I did get a call last Sunday evening from, it turned, Italy came up on, I've I have a phone that shows where the calls are, what country the call is coming from. So I don't have anybody in, in Italy, but I decided I'd answer it. I said, OK, let's see. This is one of these calls that they're hoping I don't answer. And then the idea is that they want me to call it back, of course, as soon as I answered. It, there was nobody there. It hung up. It was, it was gone completely. So I put the number in to the internet just to see many others. And a lot of people had got a phone call from the same number. Again, rang a couple of times. It was just that I happened to have the phone beside me when it rang that I was able to answer it straight away. It'll no, normally only ring, maybe give one or two rings. They don't want you to answer it. What they want you to do is call them back. And then, of course, by calling them back, you end up in a premium line and it'll end up costing you an absolute fortune. Because I, I was, as I say, I was on the internet and I was looking at a thread of people who were talking about the fact that they had got the similar telephone call and a lot of people had done what I did. They answered it and then there was nobody there. The phone call just completely disconnected and people realised straight away what the scam was. But then I saw one... God help us, poor creator, who said her granddaughter had her mobile phone and she saw the missed call and she called the number back on behalf of Granny thinking she was helping Granny out. And she said by the time the grandmother got to the phone, the granddaughter was 20 minutes on and she was wondering what was going to happen to her and everyone was saying wait for your phone bill to come in you're going to get a lovely little surprise so be aware those calls are still out and about if you get a missed call from any international number and you don't have any loved one living in that country just completely ignore just delete it immediately but do not under any circumstances call it back if it is, if it is a genuine caller trying to get through to you from another country then let them ring you back but don't be ringing them back uh, yourself uh, 1850 333 103 coming up on the programme this morning we're hearing news that Porky Cueve is in the frame to host the Munster Leinster Rugby Clash this is the Pro 14 Rugby Match which is scheduled for the 28th of December now, when we looked into it, it is scheduled to be played in Thomond Park in Limerick. But it seems there are negotiations afoot to bring the match, move it from Limerick and bring it to Porky Cueve. The obvious one of bringing it to Port- Porky Cueve, what is 45,000 capacity? I don't know what the capacity of Thomond Park is, but it's nothing near uh, 45,000. So a lot more people would be able to to go. It would be a win-win-win for a variety of people. It would be a, a win for Porky Cueve from an economic point of view. Certainly would be a huge economic boost to the tourism and hospitality sector in Cork City on the 28th of December. They'd have so many people wanting to come and stay in Cork 
for that night and to go, you know, to go to the match and then, you know, stay around, have a meal and maybe spend the night in Cork. So certainly an economic boost to the city. Now, it it will, of course, raise the argument and the discussion. Should rugby matches be played in the home of GAA in Cork? We know we had the huge debacle and the huge argument over the Lee Miller tribute match. And that divided people. I mean, I remember us taking calls from people who were very upset that the match, when it looked like the match wasn't going to go ahead. We were equally then received calls from people who were very upset that the match was going ahead. Nobody, some people didn't want to see a soccer match uh, played on Porky Cueve. So you will have people who will say they don't want a rugby match played on a GAA pitch. So your thoughts welcomed on it. Would you be seeing it from the economic point of view that this would be great for Cork City and great for Porky Cueve that they'll make a bit of money out of it? Or are you on the other side that all this money was invested in and a lot of the money that went towards the redevelopment of Porky Cueve has come from grassroots supporters and that people put their money and their time and their effort into it so that this would be the home for GAA matches only. Your thoughts welcomed on that. We're also going to hear from a local man who's talking about the condition of a graveyard just outside of Castletown Roach. And it is extremely upsetting for loved ones to go to visit a grave and to find the graveyard either overgrown or unkept looking. And in this particular case, we're going to hear of dog feces inside in the graveyard. Just utterly utterly disrespectful it is just and you know to the loved ones to the people that are buried there it is it is disrespectful and it's consecrated ground as well it's shocking anyway we'll talk about that on the programme this morning news that the Dunkettle interchange project is now to be delayed for a year this story started to break when we were on air yesterday a lot of people not happy about this I mean the it's the whole when we're talking about the economic boost to Cork if that match goes goes ahead, this Dunkettle interchange, there's a huge economic boost to getting that interchange sorted out for once and for all. We're also going to speak with a West Cork Mercy sister by the name of Sister Immaculata Murphy. She's going to talk to us about her life in Peru, but I'm also interested in hearing about her life in West Cork and when did she leave West Cork and how different was Peru to living in West Cork. And she'll talk to us about a fundraiser that's on tomorrow. She's doing fundraising to help educate young people in uh, Peru. So we'll speak with Sister Immaculata later on on the programme uh, today. And also, we're going to get an update from Rebel the dog. Rebel was the dog that we spoke about. It was last January. Actually, I was surprised how far back it was. It was during kind of the Christmas holidays of last year, December into January, when, God help us, this poor scrape of a dog was found in the most atrocious condition. He had this horrific injury on his neck. Do you know something? When I tried to look at the pictures again yesterday, it looked like somebody tried to cut his head off. But, you know, as if they tried to behead him, that's actually what it looked like. It was just shocking. He was found in a almost comatose state in somebody's back garden and he was taken to the West Cork Animal Welfare Group. And, you know, you would think when you see a dog in this condition, would the kindest thing be to put it down? But they said, no, let's give it a fighting chance. Let's see if we can bring this dog back to 
lead a healthy and a happy life and that's exactly what they've done and the dog Re- they, they then named the dog Rebel and Rebel is going to take pride of place because he's going to lead out a walk on Sunday so he's come a long long way uh, during 2019 and we're glad to celebrate his success on the programme today. There's actually a number of people saying I got a similar text from a postal service saying that I had a parcel ready for delivery. Yes, uh, it was a scam. Uh, I didn't reply, never heard another word uh, since. Yeah, I still can't work out how the scam actually works in this case. Eddie in Ovens reckons they want to get your address and then they'll see what time that you may be in or out. And then obviously if you if you let them know when you're going to be out, they'll make sure to visit. Mm, yeah, but, but it, it, there's nothing on the text message you can't respond to it because it says it's a no reply service. You can't respond to the text to say I'm not going to be in at that particular time. And when you ring the number, the number doesn't seem to exist. So I still don't know, know what the next stage of the scam would have been. How are they trying to get information out of you? I can't. I just I can't work it out. And as a couple of other listeners have said, they got a similar text but never heard anything else. There was no other follow up. Uh, from it so I'm I'm still a bit scratching my head on this one thank you though uh, to, to the people who've responded uh, there 1850 and John Paul has taken a call from James in Mill Street says I haven't heard much about the beef talks of late so that's because they're finished unfortunately but for us farmers the misery continues if I go to the factory this week I'm getting a lower price when the protests were going on the prices were higher for farmers going into the factories. I think we'll be better off outside the factory gate uh, again. I don't, I know I read a piece yesterday with the beef plan movement. They haven't ruled out that they won't go back to protesting but as of now they have called off uh, protests but I was reading a piece yesterday as well saying yeah that the price has fallen even further as the uh, with the protests uh, wrapping up which must be uh, really awful for those that spent time outside the factory gate protesting and if they're the ones now bringing their cattle to mark market and they're getting less 1850 333 103 John Paul takes your calls Laura Gaelga RC 103 Rugg David Borry Erin Ochtu Law Dan Orr Nadeau Gahida Shah De Sosna Norvisha Og Winshe Elvis Presley August Little Richard Dorok Gorev Da Agah Hul De Fruel Och Rev Ni Rev Antenum David Bowie Inu Sadege Antemar Fod you saw Che Ziggy Stardust in a Duke Shock Dodo. I was in Norira, but a David Jones at Adam Ear. I was in Norira, David Bowie. Marvi David Jones Ella partook in some Vanakyol the Monkeys. Marvi David Quigley in Dag Dish, Husik Shay Bonakyol, Arvanam the Conrads. Cred no not cred, Vishay Cardula Elton John, Norvisha Dollar Skull. Hahan Lay Horse, Gamorlesh, Agzeo. August Vonagavak, Duncan Jones, Club Lauer in an anor. Forshe Boss La Halsha in the anor, Goblinohin. Kyle on sale, Kyotor Untuk Amok on Lashin. A Blora Guelga is Mishapodji de Pertun, O Guelskal Hermosta Vishmala. CKD Asa 3 Kirkig. C103 and Cork Volunteer Centre presents the very first Cork Volunteer Awards taking place Friday, October 11th. These awards aim to celebrate and recognise remarkable people throughout Cork who selflessly give their time and talent to benefit local communities. 
Visit volunteercork.ie now and shine a light on your volunteers by nominating them for an award. The Cork Volunteer Awards 2019 at the Kingsley Hotel with Cork Volunteer Centre, Cork Independent and Cork's Greatest Hits, C103. The Avondoo newspaper is this week running an article with photos of the overgrown state of a cemetery less than three miles outside of Castletown Roach. The condition of the graveyard has been highlighted by Conor O'Keefe who regularly visits because his dad is buried there and Conor uh, joins me on the programme. Good morning to you, Conor. Good morning Patricia. And you're welcome uh, to the programme. Now your dad was buried there uh, 10 years ago. Has the yeah. state of the cemetery always been bad or is it a recent thing? Well obviously I wasn't aware of the condition of it um, until uh, my dad was buried there and it was his wish to be buried there. So in two- September 2009 my dad was buried in Killisan Graveyard um, and it was shortly after that that I realised that there was a problem in relation to to um, dog fouling um, in the graveyard. Now, at the time, um, and back in 2009, there were only three uh, people buried there, my dad and two other people. Um, and it was only from then that I became aware that the, the, there was a problem, um, which which I tried to address by contacting the, the council, but failed, failed to, um, I, I suppose, failed to get them to do something about it. You say there's only three people buried there? There was at the time. At, in 2009, there was only three people buried there. The graveyard was, was bought um, um, sometime around 1984. And the first person was buried in 1994. Um, um, so It's a new graveyard then? It's a new graveyard. It's, it's roughly about two miles outside Castletown Roach. Okay. But um, I think... Um, to date, there are 14 um, people buried there, but um, the, the main graveyard in Castletown Roach at St. Mary's Church is full. Yeah. Um, so the nearest one would be um, Killisan, and on the other side then you've got Ballyhooley. And I think a lot of people are reluctant to purchase graves um, um, in Killisan because of the state of the, of, of the graveyard and because of its neglect. Okay, describe the condition to us. How, like, how bad is it? Um, well, you've only got one one boundary wall there. That's the main wall at uh, at the front, adjacent to the road. Um, it's a it's a grim grey wall, um, cracked in many places. Um, um, on the Castletown Road side, you've got um, um, an earth ditch. At the back of the graveyard, you've got. Um, chain linking which which is trees have grown up through and damaged and there are holes in it and anything can gain access to it and on the Kilavolan side there's also chain linking with trees growing up through it so you've only got one structural wall there and that's at the front of the graveyard which is in poor condition as it is. And this issue with the dog faeces is that people bringing their dogs or is it stray dogs wandering around? <sighs> well on occasion, I have seen people bring um, um, dogs in there. Now, it, it, it's been very, very rare. And um, certainly when, when, when I've been, visited the grave and I've seen this, um, the dogs, ha- the dogs haven't followed the graves and they've been with their owners. Um, and it, I suppose the, the, the problem with, with, with the following, Patricia, is, is, is it's not the dog's fault, Um Obviously, there are um, people living all around that area, but it's because of the fact that 
there are no um, proper boundaries yeah. around the graveyard. That, if there no, was proper walls and yeah. a gate that you could close when you go in and go out, you wouldn't yeah, have well, dogs wandering in. Yeah, I mean, how many graveyards do you know where, where there are structural walls um, surrounding the graveyards? None. I can't. Um, none that I can uh, that, that I can think of. No, and Killisan, because of its 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 location, it's as I say, two miles outside of Castletown Roach. So it's out of sight, it's out of mind, and um, because of that, I think it, it, it to a large degree is neglected. But yet the council say, and by the way, we have put an email into the council just to uh, to find out what are their plans for the ongoing maintenance of uh, Killisan Graveyard. Uh, but they do say that they cut the grass on a regular basis. That, that's, that's not the case. Um, I visit the grave uh, graveyard on a regular basis. Um, I look after five graves um, and it, it's clearly not the case. I sent you in some photographs yesterday um, um, and it shows the grass knee high. Now in their article in the Avenue this week they said that the grass was cut as recently as this week. Yeah. Um, that, that clearly isn't the case as part of the photographs. And when were those photographs taken? Um, yesterday. Yesterday. I took and you're, you're maintaining five graves. Well, I, I purchased three graves um, for for my family yeah. members um, back in 2009. And um, the, the, the man that, that the first man that was buried there, um, I look after his grave and another grave as well. And they're not uh, related I, to you. They're not, but they were um, uh, friends. Or that man was a friend of my dad, so I look after his ah, grave and I look that- after my dad. Isn't that really, that's really, really, really kind uh, of you as well. And I'm just told we put up the pictures on to our C103 Facebook page and on our uh, Twitter feed as well. And Connor, is do you just feel it's totally disrespectful to the people that are buried there? Absolutely. I think, uh, I mean, if, if, if you haven't got respect for, for, for the dead and the people... Um, um, buried there. I mean, wh- wh- where do we go from here? Um, I've been trying to, to resolve this issue for ten years. I've um, dealt with a, a, um, a council official. I've basically um, uh, uh, tormented you, her with phone calls. You've to, raised to, her with councillors. Yes, I've raised it with, with a local councillor over the period of two two local elections. Yeah. Um, I think I got one letter from him saying that he would look into the matter. Um, on the eve of the last election, um, um, he, he told me that um, basically um, that, that he'd look into it again. Three weeks ago, he, was, he met with myself and my wife at Killisane Graveyard. Um, he, he saw the state of it. He agreed it was, it was neglected. He was disgusted, basically, at what he said. He said he would go back to um, the, 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 the relevant people and raise it. And to date, I have not heard... Uh, a word from them and, and the thing is text or email, if nothing. the main graveyard in Castletown Road as you say is full so people are it's going full. to have to bury their loved ones and, and they want to bury their loved ones as close as possible uh, to where they, they lived um, yes. if this graveyard was properly maintained more people would use it for family absolutely. members yeah. absolutely mm-hmm. I mean a, a graveyard is, is, is a difficult place to, to visit yeah. at the best of times yeah but you certainly don't want to go in and uh, um, visit a, a loved one's grave and find dog feces on it and, and to have to deal with that. Um, for, uh, do you know, it, 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 and again, I, I don't blame the dogs. Uh, the only thing the council has done in the last 10 years 
is erect two signs, one either side of the gate and um, in relation to dog fouling, and the other thing they did was put up a tap. Now, when, when I go to, to um, um, clean or cut the, the lawn or the grass in my graves and my, friend, my dad's friend's grave, um, I take the lawnmower over, I take a shovel, um, and I take a cloth so that I can clean the feces off the graves that I expect to find there every time I go there. You shouldn't I have also, to do that. I also cut a path to the, to the, to the tap, which, which wouldn't be seen only for being a path being cut to it. I mean, it is just totally neglected. It's, I, I feel that if, if it's like any um, symmetry, if it's in a town or a village, um, it wouldn't be tolerated. But it's but the fact that it's, it's outside... Because it's two mi- miles outside of Castletown Roach, it, it, it's not um, visible unless you stop and you visit somebody there. Um, and it's it's just totally neglected. And, and uh, it's completely unacceptable that, that the council just, despite promising me on numerous occasions that they would do something about it, um, have basically um, not done so and have fought me off at, at every opportunity. Okay, somebody is saying Frank Roach is your man. He's a new councillor in the area. He's, he was a new recently elected uh, councillor if you want to try one of the new uh, councillors. But you shouldn't even have to be lobbying councillors. This is this is ridiculous. This is this really is no, ridiculous. I, and Connor, I have to mention, um, your dad was also, Connor. Uh, well yes. known to me and to many other families who attended the Holy Family School in Charleville. It was That's your right. your dad safely took all of our special little kids to school every day and back. He was our bus That's driver. That's correct. Um, uh, we had um, um, a, a small bus business back back um, back then. Um, I drove the bus for a number of years. My dad took it, took it over. He retired at seventy, as as you have to do when when you reach seventy years with bus sharing. Um, and it was his wish to be buried in Killasan. So, and, and actually, of interest, why did he wish to be buried there, uh, Connor? Well, he's a Castletown Roachman. Ah, oh, um, okay. And he he knew, even though we we have a family grave, obviously in St Mary's Church, it's full. Yeah. Um, but um, the fact that there was only one man. Um, buried in Killasan at the time and he was a friend of his I think had something to do with his wish to be buried there That's really sweet and actually it's interesting that you say that he had to give up driving at the age of 70 because of the the rules of bus air and that issue has only come up on the programme again this week Would your dad have stayed on driving? Or did he want to? Yeah Absolutely Isn't it a stupid rule? It it, it is because uh, um, I'm a private contractor, okay? So I have my own private insurance. Um, so, so it shouldn't affect... I mean, it's, once a driver reaches a certain age, he's, he's obliged to go for a medical every year yeah. and to, to, to Dublin, to, to Bus Airden's um, office in Dublin. And I, I, I've, I've actually said that. I mean, once you reach 70, once you're competent to drive, once you have a medical, once you have insurance, there should be no no requirement of a, of a, of a private contractor or a private person uh, driving um, a bus, if, 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 if able to do so. And there's a shortage Just, of bus drivers. There is, and, and um, it's, well, Bus Erin has, in relation to, to, I know we're going off the beaten track now, yeah. but in relation to special needs, have, have, have gone from providing um, minibuses now to, 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 to cars, basically, because it's, um, it's a cheaper option for, for them. Yeah. 
I, I often wonder how that is a cheaper option, but obviously it, it, it they, they do the finances. All right, listen, um, Connor. It was it was lovely to speak to you, and lovely to remember your dad. He was he was a lovely, lovely, kind, uh, caring man. And the apple doesn't fall far from the tree because I can hear it in you uh, as well. Listen, thank you for that. And as I say, we're on, we're on to the council, and we'll get back to you as soon as we get a reply from them. But thank you for joining us and raising this issue on the program this morning. I appreciate it, Patricia. Good morning. Thanks very much. Good Thank morning you. to you. Bye bye. That's uh, Conor O'Keefe. Simon's Celebrity Sees. Guess the celebs to grab the cash. On C103. €2,600 here. Be lovely, wouldn't Wouldn't it? you love to have that now? Yes. Straight up to the airport. Jet yeah, off well, somewhere uh, hot. Yeah, maybe. Right, come on. Who are they? Um, I'd say um, Sandra Bullock, Gabriel Byrne, and Killian Murphy. Margaret Curran. You want that holiday? Negotiations to play a groundbreaking Guinness Pro 14 rugby clash between Munster and Leinster at Porky Cueve this Christmas are at an advanced though delicate stage that's according to the Examiner at Sport Today. RGAA correspondent is Finbar McCarthy who joins me. Good morning to you Finbar. Morning um, You're welcome. At the moment this game is scheduled for Thomond Park. Do you know when did negotiations start to move it instead to Porky Cueve? Well I, I heard a ring about this sometime about six weeks ago and I like everyone else I was kind of saying you know ten with a grain of salt but then when the Pro 14 fixtures came out I checked and like everyone else I saw that the game was far uh, scheduled for Thomas Park but that that could change but I think the big issue here from what I can gather from my information is that it's around the product it's called the Guinness Pro 14 and the big stumbling block that I'm led to believe is that Park Keeve, Heineken and Murphy's are oh. a partner with Cartier. Yeah. So I think that that's where the main issue is in terms of uh, there's only Heineken products sold in Parky Keeve at corporate functions or dinners, whatever the case may be. Now, <laughs> how to get around that? Would the cost be prohibitive to change all the taps for just one day and all the products? I think from what I can gather, that is the stumbling block. So and there's no the ob- there's no objections from GAA grassroots. Well, well, the, the, the story only became public this morning, uh, as you're aware, or late last night on, on Twitter. But the just to revert back to the Liam, Will- Liam Miller match last year, we all know the furore that that caused pro and anti, far and against, as we know. Subsequent to that, the GAA changed their rules to allow the Central Council make a decision on specific requests to allow games of other, to allow co- sports of other codes be played in uh, in stadiums that the GA, the GA own. So, but, to, but, did, it, but didn't they say in exceptional circumstances? Ex- except, yeah, exactly, yes, in exceptional what, circumstances. What would be the exceptional circumstance here? I suppose, <laughs> money. <laughs> 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 I don't. I don't know. Well, I, I suppose it, from from a Munster rugby point of view, it kind of makes common sense because when Munster play Leinster in Dublin in the Pro 14, the game is invariably switched to the Viva Stadium, yeah. which can we all know. I don't know what the capacity is. Somewhere around forty, forty-five thousand. Yeah. And from a Munster rugby point of view, whoever, if we're led to believe, need money. 
having 26,000 people in Thorman Park of a December of 28 and possibly 45,500 people in Parky Keith. They'll go with the 45,500. It's, it's yeah. an over-in or from their and, point and, and it's, you, I mean, you've called it out for what it is. It's it's going to be a huge financial boost to Parky Keith. Of, of course. And a huge financial... I, I heard your preview of the programme earlier this morning when you came on here at 10 o'clock or just after 10. And you could imagine having... Christmas is a busy time anyway. We could imagine ha- <coughs> having... 40,000 rugby supporters around Cork City on December 28th. Look, people would would just grab at that opportunity. And I've been to these Munster Leinster games. I've been to Thurman Park when it's full, and it's a massive, it's a massive atmosphere. You you double, you nearly double that. You can imagine what you're going to get. Someone wants to know: Could you ask Finbar about the issue with the playing surface of Porky Cueve? Has that been sorted? Yeah, I think that that could be an issue as well. At the county board meeting on Tuesday night, the the, the officers of the board gave an update on the stadium in terms of the the, the reseeding. The, the pitch was reseeded this week, which I believe is ahead of, ahead of schedule. No, whether it will be ready for December, I, I think the date is twenty eighth. I'm not so sure. The reason the the work was done this time of the year was to ensure that the stadium or the, the pitch would be available for all of Cork's National Hurling and Football League games next year. Okay. Now, December 28th, the league starts late in January. Would it be ready a month earlier? Would there be an issue with a rugby match? Would that do serious damage to a newly laid pitch ahead of what are, in terms of the stadium, crucial matches for Cork? Having had no games this year, people who have a 10-year ticket, people who have franchises in there have had practically no only three or four games there this year. Would that be put in jeopardy by a rugby match to be played on a newly laid surface? I'm not an expert in that situation, so I wouldn't know. When do you expect a final decision to be made? Well, I don't know that either, but what I would what I would think would happen, it mightn't happen this year, given the circumstances of the newly laid pitch mm. and the delicate negotiations around the product be Guinness and Heineken. But it's certainly... To, you could also say... This could be a bit of a feeler to see what the reaction would be for down the line because Munster Leinster play twice every year in the Pro 14. So they might be testing the waters. What are we now? We're into August, nearly September. There's still a couple of months to go. So maybe this is a feeler to see what the reaction would be for for, for 2020. I'm not so sure. And then open open up the possibility uh, for, the for possibility, further matches. Yeah. yeah. For further matches. But just to take a stage further, um, the article, I read the article in the exam this morning, if Munster were to qualify for a home quarter final, they could then nominate um, Parky Keeve sometime in April, and there'd be no issue because Heineken actually sponsored the champion, a partner in the Champions Cup, so that wouldn't be an issue. That would be okay. But, yeah, but my information uh, from a very reliable source is that the main stumbling block surrounds. The whether, there, there are two ways, Patricia. The pitch, whether it be ready, and obviously. The Guinness fee, products in the stadium. Okay. We'll watch this space, as they say. We're on the uh, eve of an All Ireland hurling final on uh, Sunday. Uh, your thoughts, please, on my home county of Tipperary and their chances. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think they'll win. Would do you? But I, I do. I think they're 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 a bit better team than Kilkenny, but it won't be easy because everybody knows what Kilkenny brings to the party. We found out that to our cost, and. Um, I, I just think Tipperary would just share this, but an even more important match from a Cork perspective. 
the Camogie team are playing the All Ireland semi final tomorrow night. I was going to get to that one next. <laughs> I knew you'd get to <laughs> I knew you would listen to me. So. They're playing Limerick tomorrow night at 7 15. It's a huge match. God, apart from Cork and Kenny, Galway have been the next best team in, in the Camogie for the last number of years. They're the reigning league champions. It's a real test for Cork. So anyone that's that going to be a, that, that would be a tough match. But I, I, oh, it I, will I, be a tough match. Yeah. But but the oh, girls, yeah, I, I would as well. I would as well. Fingers Cork crossed. Can keep the win, That's it. Ah, that'll keep us happy. Listen, <laughs> thanks for that. Have a lovely weekend. Time. Thanks for joining us. Bye bye. The C103 GAA correspondent, Finn McCarthy. You're listening to Cork today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. A lovely text reacting to Connor, who joined us in the last hour, talking about that cemetery and the condition of the cemetery where his dad is buried just outside of Castletown, Roach. Mitchestown listener says, Patricia, that man, Connor, should get a medal. What a shame to have to listen to such a horrible story where our loved ones deserve a place of respect and dignity. What a good man he is, says a Mitchestown uh, listener. Yeah, and as his father was uh, before him, and I certainly can vouch uh, for that. Actually, Connor was back on to say that when he joined us, he meant to say there was a couch was actually dumped behind the main structure wall at the cemetery by someone. Now, if that isn't disrespectful. And also, outside of the wall, the council themselves have left chips and old tarmac along with a broken cone. So he says if the council can't collect their own debris... I can expect others. That's just anyway. We're on. We're waiting on on a response from the uh, council as to what are the plans to maintain that little graveyard. And, and it's a point I made to Connor. While there might be many people buried there now, if it was a well maintained little cemetery, more and more family members will decide to bury their loved ones there. And with the main cemetery in Castletown Roach full, people have to look for alternative uh, cemeteries. Buddy in Bantry then was listening with interest to us discussing cemeteries. He says, I took a man over to visit the Rock Mount Cemetery. It's in Drimmer League recently. And Buddy said, to be honest, the man actually fell into one of the graves. It was due to being it being so overgrown with weeds and grass. Buddy in Bantry said he was shocked. Oh, this is Buddy, the taxi driver. OK, he said he was shocked. The graveyard is in an appalling condition. That's Rockmount Cemetery in Drimmer League. Do others have loved ones buried there? Appalling condition, according to a body. I've been asked to mention that the, the next this coming Sunday, 18th of August, the annual mass will be held at Gert Nakil on Hare Island. It's the start time is half past two in the afternoon, and the ferries will depart uh, Connemore Pier throughout the day. All are very welcome. If you want to go there next Sunday, Court Nikhil out on Hare Island, their annual mass. Now, let me look at some of your thoughts and comments coming in on the piece that we did in the last hour about the possibility of Porky Cueve being used to host the Munster-Leinster rugby clash. This would be on Sunday. It's a Sunday, I'm sure. It's December the 23rd, 28th, anyway. It's, oh, it's a Saturday, sorry, Saturday the 28th. The plan would be that the match, which is scheduled for Thoman Park, it would be moved instead to Porky Cueve if they can have, have an agreement between the rugby bosses and the GAA bosses. Now, and I did make the point, I don't know if everyone, even though we had the whole argument that happened over the Lee Miller match, we know that the GAA rules were ch- changed in Central Council to give the powers to open up 
all of the grounds around the country to other matches but they, they do say in exceptional circumstances for activities other than, than those controlled by the association. Would this be an exceptional circumstances? Finbar seems to think it would in that it certainly would make more money for Porky Cueve. We know that Porky Cueve needs to make money because of the cost of the redevelopment. Well a listener says Patricia regarding the game and the possibility of it being played in Porky Cueve. When Ireland played and beat England then inverted commas. Yes, Mr. Johnson, small caps on purpose, says this Dexter, in Croke Park. That was due to Lansdowne Road being renovated. And when the fundraising tribute soccer match for the very young family of the deceased Cork sportsman, Liam Miller, was relocated to Porky Cueve from Turner's Cross, it was a capacity difference. And the capacity difference was exceptional, 45,000 versus seven approximately. A great decision to play it in Porky Cueve at full capacity. I fully support these games but but and I mean there is a large but Thoman Park is fully open fully operational nothing wrong with it and it is the home of Munster Rugby so please don't lower the standards and respect of this great game for short sighted financial gains says a listener and you know I, I think he's the, he or she I don't know not on their own. I think others will have a problem with this. And, and I know the point that, you know, that has to be made. This will make a lot of money for Cork City. It'll make a lot of money for Cork GAA who are heavily in debt because of the Porky Cueve development. But there will be some people who will say you don't do it for short-sighted financial games. Anyway, listening to Finburn, he is very much our man in the know. Don't know if it's going to certainly happen for this December because certainly with the issue with the pitches but testing the waters now it'll be interesting to see will it then open the way for the possibility of further matches and only time will tell and on time we'll see as well the arguments you won't have everybody uh, agreeing that is for sure on the state of the pitch Patricia they can't get the pitch right for their own games not to mind get it right for a rugby match there's a lot of people feeling yeah that the pitch is not going to be right and this listener also pointing out Patricia there's no G in Rath core Cormac it's one of my words and, and I always stop and think and nine out of ten times I get it wrong so my apologies Rath core core Cormac. It's just it's one of those it's one of those ones that I have a huge problem with. Now on the price then of tickets, because I mentioned the All Ireland when I was speaking with Finbar, and I, I'm assuming that that prompted somebody to say, Patricia, can you please find out how much are tickets for the All Ireland and where does the money go? We actually spoke about this during the week because they put up the price of the tickets for the All Ireland this year for both the All Ireland football and the All Ireland hurling. Stand tickets for the All Ireland for the football senior football and hurling final at ninety euro while tickets for the terrace has gone up to €45. Euro. GA defended it, saying it's the first time since 2011 that the prices of the tickets have gone up. The stand tickets have gone from €80 to €90. Euro. Terrace tickets gone up by a fiver from €40 euro to €45. Euro. Prior to the price hike in 2011, an All-Ireland final ticket was €70 euro for a stand ticket and 30 for a terrace. So prior to 2011, so in... 10 years it's gone from 70 to 90 and 30 to uh, 45 and you've got to go back to 2004 when it was priced at 60 euro for a stand ticket now the decision to increase the prices what's, what's it all about 
It coincides with an 18% decrease in the average attendance across last year's championship series. The drop in attendance in 2018, it meant gate receipts fell by 14%. So last year, gate receipts came in at just under 30 million, whereas in 2017, it was over 34 million. But you have to include in 2017, there was two major replays as well, which obviously would have boosted the gate uh, receipts. But 30 million, just under 30 million was raised last year and 34, just over 34 million in 2017. Where does the money go? So somebody, well, it goes back to the GAA. It's into the GAA coffers is where it goes. And Jim in Mitchellstown has put a really good text together just showing how the price of All-Ireland tickets have gone up. He says, Patricia, there's no wonder there's a drop off on ticket demand for All-Ireland final tickets. John Arnold put a ticket up for the 1973 All-Ireland Hurling Final. It was Cork versus Kilkenny and he obviously put it up on Facebook or on social media so people could see it. The price of the ticket was £1.27 and that was for the lower deck of the Cusick stand. Now Jim says, I started my first job in 1973 and in that year my wage was t- for the whole year was €2,540. Euro. The starting salary for that same job today is, give or take, in and around €37,000. Now, at pound twenty-seven pence, the ticket back in 1973, if I used my yearly wages that year, it would have bought me 2,000 tickets in 1973 with my £2,540 salary. Today, at €90 a ticket, I'd only be able to buy 411 tickets out of my €37,000 salary, i.e. almost five times less. Okay, I know you'll say the facilities are better, uh, but the salary has gone up £37,000. 2,540, that would be a 14-fold increase. But the tickets are gone from £1.27 to €90. That's a 70-fold increase. There's a man who did all of the maths, Jim. I don't know what industry you were in, but I'm wondering, was it something to do with numbers? But yeah, it's a really good example. But I suppose that could be, you could make that same analogy about a lot of things and how a lot of things have gone up over the years. But it's it's a really, really uh, good uh, analogy. But I don't know, is there a drop off in ticket demand for All-Ireland tickets? I'm assuming that there isn't a ticket to be got for the All-Ireland because it's, you know, I haven't, because we're not, we in Cork are not in the All-Ireland. We don't have the same scramble uh, for tickets. So I don't know, but I'm assuming the tickets have sold out the same way as they always do, even though people were complaining about the tickets going up to €90. And actually there was a number of people within the industry, within within GA players who came out very strongly saying they thought that the €90, particularly for the stand tickets, was absolutely shocking. People were were certainly not happy with it. And a different Jim wants to point out to Jim in Mitchellstown that Jim is wrong. Limerick played Kilkenny in the 1973 All-Ireland hurling final. Okay, maybe it was maybe... Jim in Mitchellstown just got the year wrong because he said it's Cork v Kilkenny. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's always GAA people who know those 
who know those. Oh, sorry, Jimmy Mitchell's turn is back. My apologies to say the tickets was for the 1972 final, not the 1973, as is as was my previous message and another Jim straight away pointed out that we got it wrong. So it's the 1972 final. Okay, all right, and I can see in Jim's text it was 1972 was when he started the job as well. So apologies, he just got the date. It just when predictive text and all of that, his number, his fingers just slipped, and he put 73 instead of uh, 72. But anyway, even at 90 euro a ticket, I guarantee you they will still have a full house at Crow Park for both the All-Ireland hurling final and the All-Ireland football final where people might give out people will still pay the money you can be sure 1850 John Paul taking your course text WhatsApp 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs PE Global Healthcare they're recruiting for a respiratory psychologist in Cork newly qualified candidates are welcome Reliable cleaner required for a full-time cleaning position that's in the Douglas area. Previous cleaning experience desirable, but full training will also be provided. Board Gosh, they are recruiting experienced gas service engineer. It's for the Greater Cork area. While Carebright are recruiting home care assistants for Canturk, for Moy, Mitchellstown and the surrounding areas, your own transport is essential. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. C103 brings you Farm Talk with John O'Connor. Saturdays at 10am and Wednesdays at 10pm. New methods of slurry spreading are helping limit greenhouse gas emissions in farming. I suppose one big consideration with that is if you put out slurry with the band spreader on the trailing shoe, a lot of farmers are still familiarising themselves with the use of the equipment. Turn on Farm Talk with Dairy Gold Agribusiness for quality feed, expert service and support you can trust. Only on C103. Yesterday came the very, very disappointing news that the long-awaited Dunkettle Interchange project will now be delayed by a year. To talk about the project and the impact any delays will have on the economy in the southern region, I'm joined by local Fianna Fáil councillor, Padraig O'Sullivan. Good morning to you, Padraig. Good morning, uh, and, and you're welcome. Not the news um, anyone who drives in the area or lives or works in the area wanted to hear. Can you explain why the completion date has now been pushed back by at least 12 months? Yeah, I suppose, Patricia, like you said, it's something that a lot of us feared that was going to happen for an awful long time. There was rumours going around for you know quite a number of months and unfortunately they did transpire. But um, just to answer your question, um, there was a clause initially in the contract between the TII and SISCs that allowed um, 12 months into the investigative works that um, if there needed to be a re-estimate of the works needed to be done, that that could be done and TII actually have a clause in that would allow them to put it back out to tender, I suppose, if the costs were to spiral out of control and that's, I suppose, the step that they decided to take. And the initial estimates far exceed um, are far exceeded by the current estimates, you know, so um, it's, it's literally back to square one in terms of the construction phase. Do we have any indication how far apart TII and CISC were when it came to well, costs? Yeah, there there's a couple of figures being banded about, but it, it's in and around 30 million, I think. Um, I suppose the difference between the initial quotation and the current estimate. Now, they're citing that there's uh, various challenges being found on site, so that has complicated, I suppose, the work that needs to be done. And I suppose as a result, the, the costs are, are going are going up. And you know why well, this is so frustrating, and everybody just wants to see this project done and complete. Do we have to look at it from the TII's point of view and say, well, you know, they're looking after the taxpayers' money here? 
Um, I suppose, look, there's two sides to the coin. You know, there's been an awful lot of capital projects, not not just in Cork, not delivered, but around the country. And I suppose an awful lot of people commenting, whether it's in media, whether it's political representatives or just, I suppose, everyday person. I suppose we, we all like to com- comment on the wastage um, that seems to be endemic in, 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 I suppose, the way we tender for things or the way we complete projects. Um, but at the same time, this project, as you said, like there's 100,000 vehicles going through the tunnel every day. I live a kilometre from it. I'm originally from Little Island, an area that's heavily dependent on, on infrastructure and the improvement of it. And I suppose even the development that's happening there in East Cork, whether it be housing in Glontown, Carrigtool or Middleton and beyond, um, I suppose the daily grind and congestion there is, is to be seen by all. I must drive past the roundabout or, or, or through the tunnel six, seven times a day. And no matter what time you come at, whether it's three o'clock in the afternoon, the, the traffic queues just seem to be growing longer and longer. Yeah, it isn't um, just a rush hour thing that you will find in no. other areas. This is all day. It is, and I suppose even, you know, an, an awful lot of people, you, you look, you'd be observing as you're driving, there's an awful lot of, I suppose, um, drivers out there, I suppose, that wouldn't be driving the safest. There's people taking chances just, I suppose, to beat that rush hour, you know. Mm. Um, even, the, even the works that were done in Little Island were seen as a precursor to the overall Dunkettle interchange, the recent works that were done in the bridges and the lane reconfiguration in Little Island. That was all supposed to, I suppose, to tie in with, with, with Dunkettle, but now that it's delayed for a year, we're looking at a completion date of 2023. I know that Cork County Council has planned for a further 5,000 jobs in Little Island, and I just can't see that being delivered with Dunkettle falling so far behind. And uh, even on the other side of the tunnel, on the south side, I suppose this puts the M28 upgrade perhaps in jeopardy as well, um, or at least mm. it could have a knock-on effect for it. So it's not just Dunkettle itself that will suffer because of this, or the people in the immediate area around. It, I think it's it's probably going to have larger repercussions for, for Cork as a region. And is stage one of the project, which, is, which was the preparing for the construction of the main works, is that now complete? Yeah, I like would we'll say like the planning and the groundwork, I suppose, around the site is ready, has been completed more or less. So um, an awful lot of that work is done. We're actually, like they're moving on to the next phase was meant to be the construction phase. It, it's supposed to have been started by now, like this plan was promised back in 2014 initially. Um, so like initially the completion date was 2021. Now, now we're saying 2023. You know, it's 2023, so like, like, I suppose it's easy for me to try and score political points or whatever, but this is just kind of one in a, a litany of, I suppose, projects that, that are being delayed or, you know, there's excuse after excuse, whether it be the event centre, you know, that's, I suppose, that's nearly taking on mystical proportions at this stage, uh, you know, the problems that they're having in there, or whether it be, I suppose, nationally, the children's hospital and, and further beyond, it's just one in a litany of... I suppose delays and um, that we're experiencing in, in terms of capital projects around the country. Do you think um, the government need to come up with more money to fund the project? Possibly so, yeah. and I suppose that's that's what the next phase is going to determine. I suppose yeah. that gap in funding, that to bridge that gap, is it a justified, I suppose, um, discrepancy in the amount that the government initially estimated or TIA initially estimated, and now the figure that CISC have come up with, I suppose they have to justify whether that um, discrepancy can be justified. Um, there's nothing stopping CISC, of course, coming back in again um, and bidding and re- uh, that retendering process. So I, I would imagine CISC would be one of a number of companies that would come in and, and, and bid on that again, you know. So 
look, they're saying that this tendering process could take up to 12 months. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to take 12 months, so I suppose people need to pressure their local government TDs and our senior minister here in Cork that, you know, that 12-month phase could be reduced and, and just expedited. Get the, you know, get the tendering, it. yeah, get, get, get it done uh, sooner uh, rather than later. And it isn't necessarily the cheapest is necessarily the best either. We've got to be careful of that. Well, unfortunately, in Ireland, we, um, the way the the legislation is regarding tendering, more more, more often than not, if, if something is tendered like for like, then the cheapest does win. Ah. Well, you know whether that's in you know in schools or whatever the the infrastructure project that you know that we're dealing with. Um, like I, I'm teaching in a school um, in Fermoy where we experienced, I suppose, our own difficulties. Now, thankfully, our building has finally been delivered, albeit a few years beyond. Um, the, the anticipated completion date as well but I suppose it's just something that's almost endemic in Irish society that um, you know the delays are almost expected they're expected by the public like when these delays are announced I, I, I don't think it's anything that people didn't expect um, it's almost built into us now just to expect that things are overpriced or delayed it's just becoming endemic Yeah um, but in, in the meantime a whole area is suffering because of, oh, because of this Absolutely. If you know, um, as I said, we like I'm living in I'm living in Dunkettle. I live in Glenmire, where there's a plan for um, 600 odd houses in in Dunkettle in Ballinglen at the minute, and a further um, 1500 in the other Dunkettle lands down the road. And I suppose all these projects are dependent on this massive infrastructural upgrade. Mm. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, like this, this is the ability to open up an awful lot of East Cork to, to development as well, and. A lot of these projects were delivered, like as I said in Glenmire, we just seem to get house after house. But this project was promised as part of the development of houses. So, you know, a lot of people, while they have concerns about the additional traffic that extra houses bring, at the same time, we were being promised that this vital piece of infrastructure will be upgraded to coincide with the development. And now that's been delayed by a further two years. So it's just going to add to congestion locally as well here. And this is the the very same road project, isn't it, that your leader, uh, Micheál Martin, tried to raise with the Taoiseach last month and there was a little spat between the two of them? Yeah, well, look, as I said, it, it, this has been rolling on for months. This, when this announcement came a few days ago, it didn't come as I suppose, a major shock to anybody. You know, the rumours were, were about, um, as you said, it was it was raised previously. Um, so it didn't come as a major surprise, um, unfortunately. Where we are here in Cork North Central, we have, you know, a government TD who has the worst attendance record in the Dáil. Um, you know, and that I suppose he's not, I suppose not around as often as he probably should be to represent the, the views of the people of Cork North Central in particular. And the other two of our three remaining TDs are also on the worst eight attendant attendees in the Dáil. You know, so there hasn't been an awful lot of opportunity for those TDs to raise this in the doll and that's I suppose by their own fault by their own failings or faults in, in terms of their attendance. So Cork North Central is really struggling for representation at present, you know, in regards to th- this major project. John in Clonakilty is raising the point on the Dunkettle roundabout. Pay the one hundred million. By the time the new tendering comes in it'll cost a lot more. The government is cutting a lot of public projects because of the, the children's hospital in uh, Dublin. Something has to be uh, done. Says John in in Clan. Does he have a point yeah. putting it out to tender? There'll be a cost involved in that. Yeah. Oh no. There's no doubt about it that the, the the cost of the price is probably going to increase by the time this process is over. Be it because of the additional time and inflationary costs, or if, as Sisks have said, that you know 
that they have encountered, I suppose, other difficulties on site that weren't envisaged initially. So whatever is going to happen here, I imagine, I suppose the caller does have a point that if you just get on with the work now, get it done, it probably will be cheaper. Um, but that's a call, I suppose, for the TII, you know, and and the minister in charge as well. That's um, I suppose in charge of the in charge of money and in charge of the budget. Um, I suppose TII or semi-state body that that make those determinations and make those decisions, you know. Okay. All right. Uh, it's uh, an issue that certainly we're going to be talking about again. It's it's one that's not going to go away. Um, and now we're looking at 2023. And I dare I say, fingers crossed, 2023 for full completion of the Dunkettle Interchange Project. Uh, Podrick, thank you for that. And thanks for joining thank us you. on the programme. Good, uh, good morning to you. That is uh, local Fianna Fáil councillor, uh, Podrick O'Sullivan. We have been mentioning during the week that the Roscarbury Young Mercy leaders are holding a coffee morning tomorrow morning at the social centre in Roscarbury and it's to raise funds to help with the education of two young people in Peru. Sister Imakalata Murphy is a native of West Cork and she has spent decades in Peru and she will attend the coffee morning tomorrow morning to thank people on behalf of those Peruvian students and I'm delighted to say Sister Imakalata takes time out to talk to us uh, today. Uh, Good morning to you, Sister. Good morning. Uh, you're, you're welcome to the programme. I suppose, firstly, let me talk to you about your West Cork heritage. Where in West Cork were you raised? Well, I wasn't raised in West Cork. I was raised in McCroom area, McCroom Kilmichael. But I entered the Convent of Mercy in Skibbereen. And after, uh, when I was still quite young, 24, <laughs> I was sent on a mission to the United States to start a school, four of us, in uh, in the Diocese of Miami, Florida. And I spent 24 years there. And uh, then I, have, uh, I was called back here to Cork in administration. And uh, when I finished my six years in administration, I packed my bags and I headed for Peru. Because during those six years, I had visited our different missions that we had. And one of them was in Peru. And there was something about Peru that touched me very deeply and the poor there and the mission that Cork has had for years out there. So I packed my bags and I headed for language school. And I've been there for the past 29 years. Well done. Well done. Well done. And talk to me about Peru. What is life like in Peru? Well, you see, we work in a very poor area. We work outside the city of Trujillo. And um, uh, personally, for the past 20 years, I've been in a, what's called a new human settlement where people have just uh, pitched their little tents in the sand and a whole new community started there. And when I was leaving now recently, that settlement had had 83,000 residents. Right. It is a place of extreme poverty and recognized as such. But little by little, Peruvians are a great people. They, have, they really can get along, you know, with a little bit of help. So the Cork Mission, of course, had been there for nearly 50 years. And they built some primary schools and did health care and all of that when they went out first in 1966. And they have continued it. Now, the priests and the mission formally closed in the, about 2005 because of the threats from the um, terrorist groups at the time. And but the sisters have stayed on there. And we have a community of uh, native sisters, too. And um, we work in, we, we have now work in this new human settlement too. And it's a wonderful place to be. Is it a dangerous country? 
Oh, it's dangerous, all right. It's Yeah, there's a lot of, in our areas, there are a lot of, you know, assaults and all that kind of thing. Drugs, of course. That's part of it, you know. And are, we all are you experience ever, it from time to time. Mm. Are you ever worried? Are you ever, does, do you get frightened? Well, I was, uh, I have had five, five, assault, five assaults. <laughs> but mostly, look, people look, looking for money or there'll be drug addicts, yeah. you know. But well, I had one kind of serious one once, all right, coming from the bank, you know, and I was assaulted because I guess somebody followed me. It was the day I was finishing a project that we had completed, and I was carrying in $10,000 in my pocket, and I was assaulted at my door. But knife, with a knife. My God. And I was assaulted a couple of times, but, you know. You get over it too. Mm. But there are there more. Are there are more good times than yeah. There's more good times than than, right. than than bad times. Right. Oh, now, yeah. talk to me a little bit mm. about these um, students whose education mm. you're helping to fund, and the money that's raised tomorrow will yeah. help these. They're they're, now, they're young girls. Yeah, one of the, the pro- projects uh, that we have we have several projects there. The chief one and the most expensive one is we have care centres for children. You know, just like it is in Ireland today, mo- mothers have to work. And then what happens to their children? And you see up to very, up to 10 years or 15 years ago, all that area of, of Peru was desert. And then 15 years ago, <clears throat> the German government did a huge irrigation project. And they brought water from the other side of the Andes over to our area. So now the place is all green instead of being all sand. And they, and there are a huge agricultural projects developed there. For example, even here in Ireland, you can buy the packaged asparagus that's grown and packaged out there. <laughs> but the negative side of it for our families is wonderful that people get work. That in the morning early, <clears throat> in our human settlement, the buses come up from the agricultural projects at 6 in the morning, and they take away the moms and the dads, to work in the fields and the factories until 6.30 in the evening. So what happens to their children? They begged of us to do something about it. So we set up with the help of a parish in Florida that pays the workers um, care centers for the children. That's a big project we have. They're like creches, is it? Well, they're for primary school children. If you're a primary grade child, the government put some creches there. But the... um, a primary grade child goes in our area, goes to school from 7 to 12. And the same school is used in the afternoon for secondary. Okay. So what happens to the child at tw- uh, from 12 o'clock to 6? I know, nowhere for them to go. So they and come they, to your uh, care centre. The amount of sexual abuse of children in homes by family members mostly is very high. And so you can't leave those children, even to fourth, fifth and sixth grade, alone in their homes. So we have these care centers, and it includes their dinner, of course, it has to. That's a big project that we have. That's okay. very important. Another one we have is um, uh, special children. The Cork Mission years ago built a beautiful school for special children, which was a new thing to do in Peru. And um, I, for my uh, human assessment, I send 33 children there every day in the bus to the school, that school is in another district. But that's a marvellous gift, but it's costly too. These are children with special needs? Special needs children. The first class school. 
And um, <clears throat> the, the uh, third project is giving a chance to study the teenager, young people who are intelligent but could never think of going to university. So we have, an, there's a new Catholic university in the city of Trujillo, and they offer half scholarship to, uh, to young people that live in our area. It's called Alto Trujillo, in this, in this human settlement. They give a half scholarship, and then I look for uh, sponsors to sponsor the other half of, this, of their studies. Uh, how much and, would that uh, be a year? 19 children on scholarship, which is marvellous. Sponsored by friends in Ireland, friends in Florida, where I worked long ago, and friends in the parish in Florida. And how much a year does it cost? <clears throat> yeah, what we ask them to pay is, for 12 months, you pay an average of 55 euros a month. And that will cover that young person's... That covers their monthly fees. And, and the difference it will make to that young person's life? Oh, what joy it is recently for me. I was at the, uh, the graduation of a young girl who got who graduated in law. Her mother and father can't read nor write. They came from the mountains. And to see that bright young girl. Now, one of the, you know, the, the, you know, the city of Trujillo is a big city, a modern city, and it has uh, the National University, which is free, and it has three, uh, plus the Catholic one, four private universities, which are costly. Now, one of, my, one of the students that the group in Ross Carberry is sponsoring, actually two years ago, got, uh, entered for the National University to do administration. And he got it, but he had never started because he had tuberculosis from lack of good food. A very, very poor family, a very bright boy, and just a lovely young person. So last year, he started school with the help of the group that are having their activity tomorrow. He has spent one year in the university and just did wonderfully there. And do you do you get home often? Is it an annual trip back or how often do you get back I to Cork? I used to come every two years. And this year I came for good because I'm now 82 years of age. Oh, you're back home with us now for good. I just come home to stay. Ah, after, isn't that great? After all, in total 53 years on mission. And where, 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 where's home now then? Where are you living? I'm at St. Mary's of the Island, Cork. Ah, oh, that's fantastic. That And have yes. you family still around the McCroom area? Well, my family in McCroom, no. My family moved into Bishopstown. Yeah. Uh, oh, many years, 40 years, 40 years ago. And there's still, you still have family here though, have you? Oh, I have. Yeah. I have a brother in Bishopstown. And um, I have a brother who's an SMA father missionary too. Okay. So are you enjoying retirement or do you even call it retirement? I'm trying to get adjusted to living... <laughs> well, listen, you've done so much in your life. You deserve your retirement. May it be a long and a happy one. And you're going to be in Roscarbury tomorrow, in the tomorrow. in the social centre in Roscarbury tomorrow for that very special coffee morning right. where you'll talk some more about the great work that's going on in yeah. Peru. Listen, it was a real pleasure to talk to you. Um, and as I say, once again, enjoy your retirement. And thank you for taking time out to talk to us today.
Thank you. Good morning to you. Bye bye. Bye bye. That is Sister Immaculata Murphy, who, if you want to hear more from her, she'll be at the social centre in Moscarby tomorrow. It's between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. if you'd like to go along to that special uh, coffee morning. Having discussed the Dunkettle Interchange Project and the fact, the news that we it's been stalled for at least uh, a year, and people so bitterly disappointed with this news. Uh, Marion in Mitchellstown was on and uh, is wondering. Do the politicians feel that jobs and companies will just look at this and say, why would you even consider relocating or choosing Cork for a destination? And the reason Marion is thinking like that is her son works with a company in Dublin and they're looking at opening a second office somewhere else in the country. Now, they are seriously considering Cork, but Marion's son says that the powers that be are looking at the traffic problems and the lack of investment in the road network in this area and it's actually turning them off, opening an office in Cork. Uh, so this news that come, came yesterday, certainly not good. They've also looked at Galway, but Marion, uh, according to Marion's son, the, off, the head officer saying, well, Galway is pretty much as bad as Cork when it comes to transportation. Cork has the added problem of lack of accommodation and that it's hard to get houses. The company is now looking to Waterford or Limerick uh, for a second office and I suppose Marion as a mum is probably finds is probably very upset because the hope would be that if the son if the office relocated took a second office in Cork the hope would be I'm assuming that the son would be able to get a transfer down to Cork and doesn't look like that's going to happen uh, now which is a real real uh, shame and Henry says hi Patricia it was a pity when Micheál Martin was in power when the country was flying with the building boom and we were awash with money that they didn't do some of this work instead the money was wasted I remember sitting beside my aunt on a trolley on a busy corridor for two days and that was back in 2004 as if Fianna Fáil would do any better are they not propping up this current government says uh, Hen- Henry who finds it a bit ironic that Fianna Fáil are giving out about this decision and giving out about the government but at the end of the day they're propping up and keeping this government in a power that's Henry texting 086 2103103 just on cemeteries things we were talking about cemeteries earlier Susan says I was in Clondrohet the old graveyard recently very sad how overgrown and neglected it is, says uh, Susan. I mean, we certainly have a problem with some of the older graveyards, but I think the one that we spoke about this morning, what shocked me was it's a new graveyard. There's only, you know, about 10 people buried there. I think that's what sort of got to me was this is a new graveyard, so we should be main- maintaining it. But it is sad when you see old graveyards. That's why we've seen great local groups come together and people who have loved ones buried in a graveyard and they get together and they do uh, clean-ups of graveyards and it's always lovely to see that. I suppose the council will say, we have a limited budget, we do the best that we can do. We try to maintain the graveyards that a lot of people go to visit, active graveyards, graveyards where people are being uh, buried, but we unfortunately... That's nationwide though. I don't just think that's a Cork thing. We do have an issue when it comes to some of our older graveyards and it's really, really sad to see. It's just, it just seems to feel and be so disrespectful to 
are dearly departed and for the people who take time out to uh, visit for sure. 1850 We're going to take a break. We have news at 12 midday on the way. We don't have Mark Malone with us today, by the way. We're not going to the movies with uh, Mark. We are going to be talking about Rebel, that dog that had those awful injuries that we spoke about back in January to see how his recovery has been. And we'll also catch up with your calls and comments all coming. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. On the Dunkettle Interchange that we discussed, this is going back to the Dunkettle Interchange. Sure, wasn't the right thing to do was when the tunnel was being built, the Dublin Road should have been made a flyover. They could have done it at the same time they were building the tunnel. It would have been done at a fraction of the cost. What a joke of a uh, country. But I suppose they couldn't have realised the volume of traffic that we were going to experience or how Cork was going to grow. But yeah, if there was forward planning put in place, it does seem like that would have been a reasonable, reasonable suggestion to have made. Thank you for your text to 0862 103 103. On the GAA and the price of the tickets to the All-Ireland, uh, Christy says, hi Patricia, the hike in ticket prices is uncalled for. The GAA is run on volunteerism at a local level and the performers on view on the day of the All-Ireland Finals are not paid at any level. The GAA claim that they need in the region of 40,000 attendants at Croke Park to make it viable. Such nonsense. Where is the money going? Of course, all the paid hanger-oners must get paid, many of whom probably never kicked a football or held a hurley in their hands. The games ought to be a family outing, but families are simply being priced out, kind regards, and that's Christy listening to us in Temple Glanton. And I have heard of families who, when they realised that the tickets were gone to €90, Euro, they're saying they simply couldn't afford it, because if it's... And for Kilkenny and Tipperary, I suppose, yeah, if they don't have that far to travel, they could go to Dublin in and out in a day. But it's when the likes of the people from Kerry and indeed our good selves here in Cork, when we have to travel up, it makes more sense to try to make, you know, stay overnight, particularly if you're travelling with children uh, and that can make it quite an expensive day out uh, indeed. Thank you for your uh, text. John in Castletown Roach on the possibility of rugby in the park. The county board are being a bit hypocritical. Monster Rugby were using facilities at Mallow GAA but the county board insisted they were not to be using GAA grounds. Oh, is that true? So it's a bit hypocritical of the county board telling one club not to have rugby involved. Yes, they're even considering allowing rugby to be played in Porky Cueve. And John and Castle Roach says, by the way, I wouldn't be objecting to the match going ahead and the use of the park for other sports if it pays its way and I suppose seeing the financial gain that the GAA particularly bearing in mind the Porky Cueve the redevelopment of Porky Cueve and it is heavily indebted because of that redevelopment work so I suppose if money can be made from the match then bring it on also that's coming in on GAA Adam It shows how, this is back to the price of the tickets, it shows how the GAA, even though a voluntary organisation for those at grassroots level and for the players, those at the top are thinking money. If people are paying this much for a GAA final ticket, but it's disheartening for those at ground level fundraising every week for our local club and then seeing the prices that have been paid for a GAA final uh, ticket and ticket prices never come down they only ever go up so if they're at 90 this year what will they be at next year I'm just going to have to wait and see now I want to go back to yesterday actually when we were on here yesterday we were mentioning the 
in and around the Mallow roundabout, the Annabella roundabout, there'd been some kind of an accident and it eventually got cleared, but it caused a lot of traffic delays, particularly coming from the Killarney side onto the Annabella roundabout. And that then led to people saying there's always accidents on that roundabout since that new, the new layout was put in place and something needs to be done. Well, Mary in North Cork has a suggestion. She feels that some type of cameras should be put on the footbridge over the Annabella roundabout with the cameras focused on the roundabout. She says when you're coming from the Limerick side there's two lanes of traffic and both of them are coming from the Dairy Gold roundabout. Very dangerous she said. So having cameras the powers that be will be able to see what is happening and they at least then might be able to make some kind of adjustments because there will be a lot more accidents. And Mary in Mallow says with the two lanes coming from the roundabout from Limerick. If a truck is in the right-hand lane going around the roundabout to go to Killarney, the back of the truck can swing into the left lane. So unless cars slow down, they will get hit. We now have three white elephants in Mallow, says Mary. There's this, the Annabella roundabout, which we're talking about. It's not working. We've got the plaza, which never worked. And now the boardwalk. Ah, but the boardwalk is going to work, isn't it? Surely? Wait, I know. I, I suppose it's the work in getting the boardwalk up and running that's causing the problems with uh, traffic delays, for sure. Thank you for your call, Mary. And then Julie in Mallow was on saying, where are the horses gone? The last we heard, they were in the council yard. And lo and behold, almost at the same time, we had a text in from Sheila to say, Patricia, I was in Mallow this week for the first time in many, many years. Whatever happened to the sculpture of what I always referred to as the naked horseman on the roundabout? You must have been here for a few years, Sheila, for sure, because they've been gone for the last mm, two, three years at this stage. When they did the redevelopment work at the Mallow Roundabout, the horse and rider sculpture, what you refer to as the naked horseman, they were removed from the Annabella uh, Roundabout. And now we're back on. I don't think we've had a response yet back from the council on this. No, we haven't yet. OK, the and we, I was doing some research when I knew we were going to be talking about this. Back in November of last year, we actually were on to the council again because we were getting numerous calls in from people saying, whatever happened to the horse and rider sculpture and where, you know, they were taken from the roundabout, they, the powers that be were told they couldn't put them back in place because they're too high and they're not meeting with new guidelines that are in place for any art sculptures. So we knew when the roundabout was being developed, the horse and riders were going to be removed and they wouldn't be able to go back in that place. And actually, November of last year, we managed to track down and speak with Michael Quain, who was the architect, because we had been told that Michael Quain was taking back the horse, horses and riders. He was going to clean them and then he was going to be taking them on some kind of an exhibition. But that now is not happening. But anyway, he was on to us and he was talking about it and he was saying that as far as he knew, there was a new site being approved by the council and that the sculptures were going to be placed there close enough to the original site. And then in December of last year, we heard from the council and they confirmed to us, because by the way, before I get the confirmation, we were getting calls in from people saying that the horses and the riders have been sitting in the in a council yard in Mallow since they got removed from the roundabout. They never went away for cleaning. They never went away on exhibition and they're just sitting there and why isn't something been done uh, about it? Anyway, December of last year, the council informed us that the new site for the horses and riders sculptures is to be located on the eastern verge of the N20 near the southbound slip-on ramp 
over the Blackwater River Bridge. So close enough really to where the roundabout is. The site has been selected, deemed to be the only suitable public site in or close to Mallow that fulfilled the various safety, engineering, traffic and aesthetic criteria. The sculpture was originally commissioned as part of the Percentage for Art scheme associated with the Corked Mallow Road projects back in the 1990s. The particular piece in question represents a chance meeting between two horse riders stopping for a chat at the time appropriately located at the intersection which of course is known to everyone as the crossroads of uh, Munsters, Munster over the years very much associated with Mallow. Now considered fitting this is the council back in December telling us it's now considered fitting that it should be repositioned and exhibited in a suitable public space in or close to Mallow adjacent to the N20 where it will still be visible to passing motorists without being a traffic hazard yet also accessible to pedestrians to properly view and appreciate it. It's intended they told us in December of 2018 that the following some minor repairs and cleaning the sculpture will be relocated to its new position during 2019. Now we've got back onto the council this morning to say you never guess we're going to be talking about it again because I've lost count of the number of times we have been talking about the horses and riders at sculpture. So we get onto them again just to give them the heads up and say sorry about this we're on about it again. So we've nothing back from them yet. Now they will probably come back and reissue the same statement and say our position hasn't changed. We did say we'd relocate them during 2019 and we are into the eighth month of 2019 so we have a few more months to go. But I would have thought that surely the best time to do any of this kind of work would be during the summertime, would be to relocate it. You know, don't wait until the wilds of winter when we're going to have stormy conditions and it'll be more difficult to put the sculptures into place. Surely we should be doing it during the summer months. Anyway, we'll wait and see but... um, they do need to be cleaned and I don't know if Michael Quain is getting involved uh, or not is he coming I'm just looking back on what he told us last year Uh, Michael said the cleaning of the sculptures this is when he was talking to us in November of last year Michael said the cleaning of the sculptures yet to be carried out and that that should happen when site preparation works are completed so I'm assuming as the sculptor He'll come back if he doesn't do the cleaning himself. He'll he'll oversee it. But I remember when we spoke to him last year, he was absolutely thrilled to hear that there was a local bond and a sense of ownership existed between the sculpture and the people of Mallow and indeed the wider Cork area and anyone who passes through. And people fell in love with the horses and riders. They didn't at the start. They absolutely didn't at the start. I remember when the sculpture first went in and we were saying to people, Give it time, you know, let it grow on you, so to speak. And people were not happy. But then over the years, yeah, there's there's a great old uh, affection for that piece of sculpture. And people say, you know, it's our, you know, belongs to the people of, of Mallow and the surrounding areas. It's our sculpture. We want it back. So we will wait and see how, when in 2019 do we expect to see the horses and the riders or as Sheila said, the naked horsemen when we were going to see them back uh, back up and uh, in their new and forever home. 1850-333-103 lines open. The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork Visit corkcoco.ie Ballonhasic Community Development They've got a fundraising Kayleigh in the Marion Hall tonight. Dancing is from 9.45 to Jerry McCarthy and due to maintenance work being carried out you're asked please if you're attending to use the GAA car park next to the hall just for this uh, event. Bingo is on tonight in Kildarory Parish. Half past eight all are welcome. While Clyde Rovers their lotto draw 
takes place tonight the venue Derry Murphy's Bar in Ballinamona with a jackpot of €2,700. There'll be a dance in Kilbehany Community Centre tonight. Music is by T.R. Dallas. Dancing is from half past nine until 12 midnight. Get your dancing shoes on. A National Heritage Week kicks off tomorrow and it continues until the following Sunday week, 25th of August. All week, there will be Children's Historical Treasure Hunt of Clonakilty Town, suitable for children aged between 5 and 12. Collect your clue form from the Michael Collins House. And then on this Sunday, there'll be a guided historical walk of Clonakilty Town. You meet at the Michael Collins statue at 7pm. And the best of luck to everybody involved in the Marymount Race Day. That goes ahead of the Cork Race Course Mallow tomorrow Saturday. You can enjoy a luxury day at the races with celebrity guests and champagne afternoon teas. Corporate options are also available. Tickets available directly from Marymount on 021 4501201. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Or you can visit CorkRacecourse.ie. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. On the maintenance of graveyards and cemeteries, I can't get over the reaction we've had to uh, Connor's interview earlier this morning. We was talking about the graveyard, new graveyard outside of Castletown Roach and the condition it is in. And people are ringing us and contacting us about various, particularly a lot of the older graveyards uh, in their areas. And then Sean, and I don't know if this is tongue in cheek or if this is a genuine proposal or not. But Sean says, Patricia, I hear that they're talking about putting goats into cemeteries to keep the grass down. I think it's a great idea, 
says Sean they'll do a much better job now I, I've never heard of that Sean if it's true or not and I don't know if you're being a bit tongue in cheek with your particular comment Margaret says most of the graveyards are looked after by volunteers not by the council the council will help out from time to time but generally speaking what happens locally is volunteers will get together and maybe once a month go and have a clean up there is a fantastic group in Newmarket Graveyard the graveyard looks amazing but it took a lot of work to get it that way and Maria says on one of my weekly visits to the cemetery the grass was about four foot in height I contacted our local councillor never heard back and Norma says I visited both Boherbui and Canturk graveyards or I visit them frequently I must say it's a credit to the volunteers of both fantastic people and they're never thanked enough yeah and you're right and I remember just saying this to John Paul during News at 12. I remember we used to, we did a lot of interviews with, wasn't it John Fenton we used to speak to when they set up the old Kilcrumper graveyard, kind of friends of old Kilcrumper graveyard and they used to go out and do regular clean-ups. I don't know whether that's still happening or, la- or not. I know they even went, they went to such great lengths that they did fundraising to cover the cost of the equipment that they would need and the clean-up days while you know a lot of heavy work was done because that was an old graveyard that needed an awful lot of work it ended up kind of being like a social day out there was the social aspect to it and that they'd have a little bit of lunch and there was women who were involved in making the soup and the sandwiches and there was a bit of a you know there was a bit of a social side too but it was a great great committee Uh, and as I say I don't know if they're still active or not there was the old Kilcrumper Cemetery in Formoy but it's just an example of another voluntary group who decided that they needed to do something because of the old cemetery and the condition it was in. Eddie is in Maham and he has, he had relatives, or he has relatives in the North Cork area, which brings him to the old graveyard in Cullen. Good afternoon to you, Eddie. Good afternoon, Trisha. Now, you were, you were down in Cullen only only this week. Tuesday, yeah. Uh, I was in the market as well, so it was very nice. Um, I had people at home and they wanted to see um, your ancestral grave. And uh, we were found out it was in Cullen. Okay. And I knew how to get to Cullen, but I didn't know how to get to the old graveyard. So we got to Cullen, and I asked for uh, directions, and it was behind uh, the handbar alley in Cullen. Okay. And it's a lovely, quaint little uh, graveyard. It was held, it was uh, kept properly. Like the headstones, uh, some of them are probably over. Uh, some of them are lying on the ground. Some of them, you can't even read the names. No. <laughs> They're probably there for years. Nobody to look after their graves or anything like that. But the people in Cullen and surrounding area came together for once, two or three hours a week. It wouldn't take time to bring it back together. So you reckon no evidence of any maintenance in the Cullen graveyard? No, no, no. We were walking on people's graves and we thought we were walking on the grass and the grass was so high up over the cabby. Oh, and, and you always feel so disrespectful, don't you, when you think you're yeah. walking on somebody's and grave? There was one lovely statue, there is one lovely statue of our Lord looking out over onto the field. Yeah. Uh, I don't, it's, and, but uh, it's on, uh, I would say, like a pillar going to um, a gate. Uh, it's on a pillar, and uh, the pillar is all eroded. Uh, one good gust of window, and that statue will come down. So this is, this is a. A graveyard, I'm assuming by your description, Eddie, that's no longer in use. It's full. It's, 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 it's full, yeah. yeah. Uh, 
I think the last uh, we were looking. I, I'm open to correction on this, but I think the last person that went in there was 1987. Oh yeah, it's 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 old enough. And yeah. did you say you had visitors with you that you were bringing? Yeah. And we want to, and no, we think we found the grave. Uh, we don't know because the dates don't really match up in okay. the gra- in the headstone that we that we saw. But in, as I say, they came in. They doctors and this wouldn't happen in our country. Where were they from? Uh, England. Were you embarrassed? I was, yeah. Yeah. yeah and like, I- just very. Uh, and I'm glad the way my father was going up to knock with him once a year. There every year until he died. And you'll see lots of graveyards up the country and they be the same way. The headstones are falling over and stuff like that. And from what we're getting, since we started, started talking about this on the programme, like we're hearing from lots of areas where they just people have gotten together and decided we need to do something. I mean, you, did you say you've been to Newmarket? I was in the market, yes. Yeah, people are saying that that's amazing and that's, that's volunteers are doing that or looking after that. That's and right, it's yes. the same in Boher, Boherwe and uh, Canturk. And I mentioned old, the old cemetery in, in Kilcrumper. But, you know, it's unfortunate that that's, that's what we have to do now. We have to, people need to volunteer. If you have a loved one, a relative in these graveyards, people have to get together and, and try to look after them themselves. Well, that's true. I will say for relatives, if there's a holy will as well in the next field that people go to mess, right? Yeah. And we get to cut the brambles to go down to the Holy Well. Now, the, the Holy Well itself was kept immaculate. The stonework is lovely in it. I said, I think it's MLP, the farmer, that the uh, well is on, that he's, he's looking after that. But, like, that's a fine job. But like, I know we don't have a way to cut the brambles. I, I had um, um, oh, a letterman, it's a multi tool in, in my pocket, and I, it has, there's a pliers in it, and I was cutting the, the brambles as I was going down. We won't get them into our eyes. I, it was that bad? Yeah. Goodness me. All right, Eddie, listen, thank you for that. Thank you for your call. No problem. Um, have, a, have a good afternoon. Nora in Formoy says, I live near Kilcrumper Old Cemetery. I live about a mile away from it. She said, it's beautiful. They have hanging baskets now all through the cemetery. Oh, so that group was still very active then. They have hanging baskets on the on posts in the cemetery. Nora says, driving past the cemetery would actually give you a little bit of a lift it's so beautifully maintained. So even though that might sound like a very strange thing to say, but because the work in the cemetery, they deserve full credit. So well done to that crew. I just, uh, just think we haven't heard from them in a few years, but they're obviously quietly working away and doing their their, their bit. So that's uh, that's good to hear. Thank you for that, uh, Nora. Thank you for updating us. Mary and Mallow said, I visited a family graveyard in fa- family graveyard in Ballyclaw. And there was plenty of dog poo on the graves itself. It was upsetting to see it. People should have more respect. There are plenty of other places to walk a dog rather than a graveyard. I actually saw a person in there walking a dog. I I really, that, I have no understanding of that. I mean, okay, I can understand if you're out for a walk and you want to visit a loved one's grave and your dog is on the lead. Keep the dog on the lead. And, you know, you never know when a dog needs to go to the toilet. But if the dog decides to do something when you're in there, then you should have your poo bags bags with you if you brought your dog out for a walk. But this idea of getting to a graveyard and taking a dog off the lead and saying, you know, fight her there, off you go, have a bit of a running run around. And that's what's happening then there. And of course, it's not that Connor said earlier, wasn't it? Because he was saying that's the problem they have in the cemetery in Castletown Roach as well he's, he's not blaming the dog he said it's certainly not the dog's uh, fault and actually Audrey is picking up Sean on Sean's uh, suggestion that he's heard 
some of the councils, some areas are thinking of putting goats into cemeteries to keep the grass down. Audrey said, if you put goats into graveyards, what's going to happen with their poo? Won't you have an additional problem? You might keep the grass down, but you're surely going to have another uh, problem with it uh, instead. Great Credit Juice is a texture to uh, Kilbrin volunteers at the cemetery there, I'm assuming. Great footpaths, superbly kept. But again, it's down to volunteers. It's, you know, we've got some great, great people who are showing respect and want their loved ones to be laid to rest with a little bit of dignity and they're willing to get together and get out there and maintain the graveyards. It, it really is uh, wonderful. Um, John says, I think Killashane graveyard, this was the graveyard we discussed that opened up this debate with Conor O'Keefe earlier, is not in Castletown Roach Parish, which is also a big issue. Oh, OK, I wasn't aware of that. I don't know if Conor's aware of that. We're on to the council. And we're waiting on a reply from the council because the council to the Avondue newspaper say that they cut the grass regularly. But listen to Connor tell his story this morning. He's in and out of that graveyard and he says he's not seeing evidence of the grass being cut. It's only he's doing his bit uh, trying to cut the, keep the grass cut on his dad's grave, his dad's friend's grave and a few other graves as well, which is, you know, well above and beyond uh, the call of duty. Jonan from says there was talk of getting an un- a caretaker for the old cemetery in Kilcrumper. It was mentioned last year. Oh, maybe they have. Maybe. Maybe they've put in because certainly when that group went in, the Friends of Old Kilcrumper Cemetery, they didn't have a caretaker. They took it upon themselves. So maybe they've done the work now and they're going to hand it over to a caretaker. That would be great. That could be the reason that we're not hearing much from the group. Maybe that's it. If somebody wants to confirm that, I'd, um, I certainly would love to hear from from you to, to find out what's happening with, with Kilcrumper but certainly the calls coming in from Old Kilcrumper says the cemetery is in a great condition and Patricia in Newmarket said Eddie who joined us who was talking about going to the graveyard where was the graveyard he went in column and he doesn't know for sure if he found the right grave she's saying did he visit Tower Graveyard in Newmarket he might find his relatives in that graveyard there is another graveyard there as well yeah and I know he says he went to column and then he also went to the new market one. He mightn't be aware of the one in Tower. So we'll pass that on to him, Patricia. Thank you uh, for helping us with that uh, piece of information. And Colm in Bottevin says there is a graveyard just outside of Donnerell called uh, The Caretaker. Keeps it in immaculate condition. John Daly is the caretaker's name. He is fantastic. There's a mass there twice a year. So well done to John, the caretaker at the graveyard. Oglish, is that what it's called? Just outside of uh, Donneret. And credit where credit is due. There are many fantastic caretakers. Listen, I don't want people, I don't want anyone to think we're putting out the message that the caretakers of graveyards are not doing good works. Uh, they are. They're doing great work. But what we're talking about in the main are the graveyards that don't have a caretaker and they're not being maintained are they been running a skeleton staff or a council worker is sent over whenever uh, to do an odd run around with the grass but they're not maintaining them all of the time but where there's regular caretakers or caretakers assigned permanently to a graveyard they we've got very very well maintained graveyards but they are in the main the ones that are in the ones that are in use the ones where people are still being buried. And just a final one here on a traffic on the band into Enniskeen Road at Manch 
we're getting reports in of an oil spill and there are rather slippery conditions so you need to drive with extreme care if you're on the Bandon to Enniskeen Road. 1850-333-103. Lines open. Across Cork City and County, this is Cork Today on C103. C103 Anthems. Mornings from 9 and evenings at 7. Cork's Greatest Hits. C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. During last year's Christmas holidays, a dog, a subsequently named Rebel, was discovered in an almost comatose state with horrific injuries in a garden in West Cork. Rebel went into the care of the West Cork Animal Welfare Group and this weekend she will take pride of place when Rebel leads off the annual dog walk at the Long Strand in Castlefree. And Tori Joyce of the West Cork Animal Welfare Group uh, joins me on the programme. Good afternoon to you, Tori. Good afternoon, Patricia, and thank you so much for having us Well, it again. is our pleasure. Remind us of how Rebel was discovered and the condition she was in. Yes, on um, St. Stephen's Day, the rescue got a call from a, a lady saying that actually her dog had found a dog in a, oh, as you said, comatose state, curled in a ball, um, in, in, under the shrubbery and gave a call to the rescue and she just said we've just found I've just found this dog um, and the rescue said well bring her up so immediately um, Jennifer at the rescue called the vet and the, as you know St. Stephen's Day isn't mm. <laughs> they're all on holidays and the smell of rebel I mean it was pretty serious so basically there was a, a thick wound across the back of her neck between her ear and then almost one of her ears sliced off and it obviously had been a few days and it had got very infected. So um, Howard and the team at Faxbridge and Katrina came in. They treated her, they stabilised her. And then over the next, I suppose, really, she's had operations really for about three months because she also had, um, unfortunately, mammary cancer. So she had to have mammary strips as well over, over time. But she's now absolutely perfect. Have you any idea on how that horrific injury was caused? Patricia, we don't. I mean, we can only surmise, really. Um, the vets did say, though, it was something sharp. It wasn't caught in wire. It wasn't a collar. I'm, I'm sure we spoke about the pictures before, which were all hidden on Facebook. But there were actually, like, two cuts, and it all become, and it's like a piece missing, which all had to be, course, pulled back together. Oh. Um, so they said, yes, it was something sharp, and unfortunately, possibly done on purpose so God luckily the she age, was found the, what age do you think Rebel is she's probably five to six now okay. she, honestly Patricia you must meet her something yeah, I, the yeah, gentlest is she? tiny tiny little dog gentle and she comes to Skibbery Market in fact she'll be at Skibbery Market tomorrow helping me fundraise as well and she cuddles everybody Ugh. she has no edge on her no fear she's so and her lovely owner Katrina they're so suited because they're very similar temperaments. <laughs> and at the type, what, what type of dog? A bit of everything, she, a bit of... Yes, a little bit of hound, a little bit of beagle, um, a little bit of Labrador, um, but she's very tiny. You could just scoop her up into your arms, you know, she's about 12 kilos. She's very small. But you look, you look at her now and you, you can't see mm-hmm. any of the injuries? 
if you look closely, Patricia, you can kind of see a line onto the ear. Now, she was very, very, it was touch and go for four days, really, whether she even made it, and definitely touch and go whether she kept her ear. But she did. And, of course, Howard and the Saxbridge team did an amazing job and really put themselves, I always remember Jennifer, uh, who's very who uh, understated. Um, she just said to the vet, "You're going to need more than Jessel for this one." <laughs> oh, I know. Uh, but you, you, I know. You know, calm. over Christmas, as you say, people are on their holidays. Yes. Uh, you know, the yes. Christmas trees are up and everybody's relaxing, and you get Howard yes. and the gang, who yes. you know go above and beyond, really, Tori. Oh, absolutely! Oh, they dropped everything and just came in, and then the operation started. Then the next day. But they had to stabilise her first because she really was hours from death. So had this lovely lady's um, dog not found her, because obviously sniffed her out and kept sniffing, and they just saw this black ball, because she is small, and she was tucked in beside, I think, a building as well, a shed and shrubbery. She would never have been found until, unfortunately, it was She was late. dead. Yeah, she would have died yeah. a, a lingering death as well. Bless Absolutely. her heart. Just doesn't... She would have been like that for days, Patricia. This didn't happen the day before, you know. And Tori, you're, you're saying she's now not a nervous dog. No, no, no. She'd sit on your knee, Patricia, and look up into your face. She's got the most beautiful eyes. And you would honestly think she's not nervous of men. She's not nervous of noises. She's not nervous of women. She's not nervous of other dogs. She's brilliant with everything. Isn't that great? Yes, it absolutely. And she's just a star. And everybody who meets her, they just go, oh, because oh, she's so famous now, of course. <laughs> and I remember, like, back in January, you posted oh Rebel's case up, yes. up on your Facebook yes. uh, page. You got an incredible reaction to the story, didn't absolutely you? Absolutely incredible. And, and just, again, thanks so much to absolutely everybody who donated, who messaged, who offered help, offered fosters, offered homes. Um, and people were so generous that we that we covered all the vet bills. And unfortunately, then it was discovered she had cancer and she had to have major surgery from more or less the top of her chest right down to her abdomen. And um, it was pretty tough on her, but um, she has totally recovered. Obviously, she was neutered as well, um, which helped with the mammary tumours. And um, she had a... she. You can see, actually, she has an upturned lip bit as well, where she had a... Obviously, some scarring or or some damage to her face a little bit as well, but that was minor in comparison to her neck. The fact that she had mammary tumours would that lead you mm-hmm. to believe she'd had yes. a number she'd had a number of pregnancies, had had some pregnancies. She, yeah. You could see she'd been bred, yes, yeah, quite obvious, yes, unfortunately. Yeah. Okay, but she's now in her forever home with Katrina. She is, and she's <laughs> adored. And she? Um, she could, you see, the other thing, Patricia, is she could have been a loving pet. That, owned, that belonged to maybe an elderly person who died or something, maybe put on something like Dundeal or offered free or just passed along. And unfortunately, this is what, this is what can happen, pets, if, if people don't go through the proper rescues and the proper, and the proper ways of homing. So, you know, it's, it's always a huge warning to people. Be very, very careful who you give your pet to. Or, yeah, or how you get a pet as, as well, because we exactly. know people are buying from, from puppy farms. Yes. Um, I yes. did an interview with, the, with that group, PetBond.ie. Are, you look, yes. are your group linked in with them? No, I'm not familiar with them at no, all. No, actually, we'll send you on the details because it's, it's run by a veterinary practice and they're trying to link up with all of the the different groups from around the country. It's in its infancy, but I think when it takes off, we could actually see an end to puppy farms and they're great at helping out with rehoming and all of that, but it's it's a, a terrific initiative. Um, anyway, uh, it's yes. all about fundraising now this uh, this this weekend. you Tell me about yes. the annual walk on Sunday. Well, we have, uh, we're now celebrating our 20th um, anniversary, so we have, have a dog walk um, at, uh, we're kicking off Long Strand Castle Freak at 2.30 and anything up to 
or over 100 dogs will be there. It's an absolutely wonderful afternoon of fun. Um, we've got a Do all the dog. dogs get on with each other? So. Yes, <laughs> there really is never a problem. Okay. And so what we do is we set off, there's two different walks um, so that people can do the short walk or the long walk. But we go up through the, I mean, Castle Freak is a beautiful place, mm. you know, a long strand. So we go up through the woods and then at the end they come down on the beach so everyone can let the dogs off and let them have a really good play and a really good run. And it's an amazing, and it's a great way for people to bring all, all dogs are welcome, all owners are welcome, but all the people to meet up and to meet Rebel and to meet the other dogs. I mean, Pilgrim, um, she's probably a little um, too old now for the walk, but we were hoping that she could come for a while, but um, I think we'll rest her on Sunday because I think she, she likes her bed. So, um, yeah, and it's wonderful. We'll have a cake stall. We've got a wonderful raffle. Um, Sharon there at the castle in Castle Townsend has donated a two-night stay. The spa in Cork have donated um, we've got a um, Martina there uh, has donated a voucher for Stage Restaurant in Middleton for 150 euros and loads of other prizes. That's terrific. And That's Anna terrific. in Anna Mabry there in Clonakilty is busy making the jams and marmalades. We'll have our craft stall, and it's just a great way to get together and talk about dogs, <laughs> <laughs> which is what you guys love to do. Yes, and also um, just another case we had in recently because we also do cats, of course. And we had a wonderful family of uh, Lady Rang with three mummies with with 12 babies. So there's 15 all together who went to our foster Julia. And um, we kept them. They were tiny. They'd only just been born. And the mums were a bit shy. So they were kept in foster till they were all um, neutered. And the mummies went together to live in Ahalis. And the babies, the last babies just went last Saturday. So no. it was about three to four months work to get them all done. And nothing so like nothing like having kittens in the in the house. It's it's fabulous. Oh, but please neuter your cats. So cute. The yeah, males. So cute, but yeah. please neuter your cats because they yeah. will come into heat every month. They will. As per, and particularly the males. Don't be thinking just because it's not going to land Absolutely. on your doorstep. All right. Listen, best of luck with your walk on uh, Sunday. Give, Sunday, yes. Give Rebel an extra bit of a pet for us. Sounds, she we sounds will. Like and we'll send in a photo to please you. So you do, please do, please do. And uh, thanks a million. Thank Ple- you. Pleasure as and always to, to talk to you. Take care. Bye bye. Tory Joyce there of the West Cork Animal Welfare Group. If you have a dog, and if you haven't got a dog, why not? Why not join them on a Sunday? We wish them luck uh, with it. And just a final text in on graves. Hi Patricia, my parents are buried in a graveyard in North Dublin. Rest in peace to both of them. My mother, a musician, died first in 1992 and was buried in a new grave. At least a year afterwards gravestones were erected on her grave and indeed the adjoining graves. Amazingly the inscription on the graveyard next to hers is remembered by your fellow musician friends. Talk about receiving appropriate company into the next life. Uh, my dad joined her in 2001 to kind regards. Isn't that lovely? Nick Richards is coming up next and he is turning up the Feel Good Friday with these tunes. That's Nick from One and Martina from Four with Feel Good Friday. That's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. We'll be back with you on Monday morning at 10 o'clock on to the Lamp Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. Simon Smith.
celebrity sees gets the celebs to grab the cash on C103. 2,600 euro here. Be lovely, wouldn't Wouldn't it? you love to have that now? Yes. Straight up to the airport, jetting yeah, off well, somewhere right. hot. Yeah, maybe. Right, come on, who are they? Um, I'd say um, Sandra Bullock, Gabriel Byrne and Killian Murphy. Margaret Curran, you want that holiday? Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.